Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. All right, how many of you guys uh, know that you've ever heard that phrase, hindsight is 20-20, right? Hindsight is 20-20. We can look back on our life and we can see exactly clearly how many of you guys can look back on your life, different forks in the road that you should have taken, maybe that you missed out on, right? Or that you, uh, you made a big mistake. You can just identify, man, I took that fork in the road and that was horrible. How about the, the right decisions you made? You can look back and you can see. How many of you guys have ever been through a season in your life that you didn't know what was going on in the midst of it? And you're just walking through step by step. You don't know what's going on. And then you got out of that season and then all of a sudden you could see with clarity exactly what God was doing through that whole situation. We all have, have had those moments because hindsight clarity is really pretty easy. Hindsight's 2020. We can have hindsight clarity. You know what's hard? It's foresight faith. Hindsight clarity is easy. Foresight faith is really hard. But, and here's what most of us want. We want not, not foresight faith. What we really want is we want foresight clarity like we have hindsight clarity. We want foresight clarity. And God doesn't always give us foresight clarity. Many times he wants us to have foresight, faith. And so if you're stuck in this thing where it's like, man, I'm not going to move forward in my life unless I get clarity, unless I get this hindsight type clarity moving forward, then you may not move very far at all because God generally doesn't work that way. He might give you some answers from time to time. He might give you clarity from time to time, but most of the time he wants you to walk by faith and you don't get to see every picture. How many of you guys know that that's true? All right, so uh, we're in this series in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. It says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep. So that is, David, he could look back. He could see with hindsight clarity exactly what God was doing. He was in a pasture of insignificance. He may not have understood all that God was doing at the time, but looking back, he can see God's hand through it all. He could see that God, through the hand of an anointing of Samuel, was preparing him for bigger things. Even though he was following around the sheep, may not have understood it at the time, but all of a sudden now, with clarity looking back, he can see, it says, from following the sheep, that you should be my prince over my people. All right, And then, even at this point in David's life, a lot of his life has happened, and he could look back over most of the timeline. And he could see how God faithfully brought him from the pasture and brought him through all these circumstances and brought him to the, being the king. But what I want to talk about today is this moment in David's life. It's somewhere in between the pasture and prince. It's this place on the in-between. It's the place that many of us find ourselves in life. It's the place in between the prophecy that God has for us, the promises, and the destiny and of fulfillment of those promises. How many of you guys have found yourself there before? You know God's prophesied this about your life, and you know you're not, you're not, you've left the prophecy, and you've had some distance from the prophecy, but you're not at your destiny. That's where David finds himself. I think for a lot of us, it's a why me moment. How many of you guys have ever found yourself in the why me moment of frustration, where you're just frustrated, you're stuck in the same spot, maybe you're facing the same situation, maybe a circumstance has happened to you, and you find yourself saying, why me? How many of you guys have ever had a why me moment? I shared this with the Elevate teenagers a couple weeks ago, this story. I'll share it with you guys. Um, how many of you guys are the type of people when you sleep at night that you have to have everything completely pitch black, dark in the room? No light whatsoever. I mean, no light. I mean, no, nothing. We live out in the country, so there's not even street lights, but no light. Becca, my, my wife, she has to have it completely dark. 
There can be no electronic light anywhere. It has to be, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Pitch black. You cannot see. And, and for some reason, for her, it's been the case that it's not only our room that has to be pitch black, it's the whole house, for whatever reason, has to be pitch black. And so a couple weeks ago, I, was, uh, I heard a noise in the middle of the night. It was like one or two in the morning. I heard a noise, and so I get up, and I'm kind of stumbling through because I, I know where the door's at, and, and I'm kind of going up to the door. I didn't have my flashlight. It was in the living room, and I'm trying to check out this noise. What's going on? And so I, I start, I open the door of our room, and I start heading down the hallway. How many of you guys have your house memorized? You could walk through it at night. I mean, so I know about the amount of steps that I'm walking through. It's dark, though. I can't see a thing. I turn to the living room, still can't see a thing. It's complete darkness, okay, throughout the whole land. It was crazy. And so I'm walking, and as I'm walking into the living room trying to get to the flashlight, I suddenly remembered that we had one of those TV trays left out at at night. And as soon as I had that thought, simultaneously I ran into it. And as I ran into that, it tipped over and began to tumble, and I began to tumble. I landed on top of the legs of the TV tray. I'm being impaled by the TV tray, literally high-centered. No part of my body's touching the ground except for the pegs of the TV tray. I'm late in the middle of the night in complete darkness, and I'm like, I roll over, and I had a bruise for weeks, uh, for the last few weeks. And, and so I sat there on the ground, and I was like, Why? Why does this woman have to have it completely dark everywhere? And so I went back to my bed, slithered back into bed. I didn't wake her up, didn't let her know about anything that happened. And I went back to bed. A couple hours later, another sound happened. I had reset the TV tray. I kid you not, the very same thing happened to me again twice in one night. I kid you not. And I sat there literally at night, and I was like, why? Why? I literally sat in the floor and just said, why? And it was a why me moment. Now, I know we have those why me moments that are much more difficult than that. Some of us have sat in a moment of complete devastation in a why me moment and just said, why? We're frustrated. Maybe we're in a depression. Maybe we're in a circumstance that's come upon us. And we just sit there and say, why, God? Why am I in between the prophecy and the destiny? Well, today I want to talk about a story of when uh, David was there. See, David wasn't at Bethlehem anymore, the place of prophecy, but neither was he at Jerusalem at this story, the the place of destiny. He was at a place called Ziklag, and it was a place of in-between. And we all find ourselves time to time uh, in the place of in-between. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 4, we see David's why me moment. It says, now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. Now, let me just fill in this story. David, by this time, he's not king, but neither is he the shepherd. He's amassed a group of men with him. He lived in a cave, and all of a sudden, people who were distressed, who were discouraged, and who were in debt came to hang out with David. These guys were nobodies. He had amassed about 600 men of nobodies, and he turned them into a great army, great warriors. And they began to go and fight. And and they lived in Ziklag, but they would go out and they would fight. And one of these battles, they had went out and they'd fight and they'd won. I'm sure they were all happy coming back. They had got the spoil. They'd done whatever they were supposed to do. They're making their way back to town, to Ziklag. And I'm sure as they started to approach the town, they could see the embers of smoke rising on their hometown. How many of you guys know that wouldn't be a good day? And they start to kind of pick up the pace a little bit because like, what's going on? I'm sure they began to run a little bit faster uh, to try to see what's happening. And when they get there, They find that all of their houses have been burned down to the ground. Every building burned to the ground. They find that all of their wealth, all their financial stuff is taken away from them. They find that their kids and their families have been kidnapped by terrorists, basically. 
How many of you guys know that's a pretty bad day? You find that you go financially bankrupt, everything you own is gone, every, your house is burnt to the ground, and your wife and kids have been kidnapped. And so the Bible says in, in verse 4, it says, Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices, and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. How many of you guys know that's probably what each one of us would do too? They wept and cried until they had no more strength. This is about uh, 1012 B.C., all right? David's about 29 years old. He's lived in Ziklag for just under a year and a half, okay, and just kind of set the scene. And so he's in this in-between place. He's in between prophecy and destiny. And, and so the worst thing happens to him. That's, that's got to be one of the worst, most depressing days of his life. And so he finds himself sitting there. And I know, as I said, I'm just kind of setting this up because I know that some of us, we have those days. Maybe you're in a season right now that you wouldn't describe as bad as David's, but it's been a rough season. You find yourself in the in-between place. Maybe you've been in a season and you find yourself exhausted today. And that's where you're at. You're in the in-between place. Maybe you're in a season you find yourself just frustrated and you're in the in-between place. Maybe you're in a season you find yourself discouraged. Maybe you're in a season you find yourself with no hope. Whatever it is, whatever your ziklag is for you. But that's what David was going through. So I want to talk about some thoughts about what we do to, to move beyond a rough season. To move beyond just demanding hindsight clarity to move forward, to move beyond in foresight faith. What does it look like? So let me give you some thoughts. The first thought is this. I believe the Lord gave me these this week. Uh, the first thought is this. Your response says something about your revelation. Your response to a situation, to a circumstance, to your emotions says something about the amount of revelation that you actually have. Let me first say this, though. A reaction is different than a response. You see, David's reaction to the circumstance was that he wept until he had nothing left in him to weep anymore. That was different, though, than his response. His reaction was, was of weeping. There's nothing wrong with our emotions, but there is something wrong when our emotions control us. And I know many times we say, I can't help it, I can't. No, there's something wrong when our emotions take over the driver's seat for an extended period of time. And so David, he, his reaction was a, a strong emotion. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? But don't let your reaction become your response to the situation. So what happens with David? In 1 Samuel 36, it says, And David was greatly distressed. That's his reaction, was distressed. And the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. So not only did David lose everything, but all these men who were probably, David was probably the only one who ever believed in them. And now they've turned their back on David and are ready to stone him. That's like insult to injury to insult to injury, whatever you want to call it. And so here he is in utter distress. But look, that was his reaction. What's David's response? It says, but... David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. That's his response. How you respond to a situation reveals how much revelation you have about your identity in Christ. It reveals how much revelation you have about who God is and who God wants you to be. Okay, see, here's what David did. He said, you know what, my response, I have a reaction, yes, but my response is going to be this, that I have a revelation that my God is not a liar. And he prophesied that it wasn't going to end here. That my God is bigger than this circumstance. That my God is bigger than this situation. You see, his response, it said something about his level of revelation, and so does ours. 
See, at some point, you've got to turn this why me moment into a what now moment. And that's what David is doing. Can you see the turn? He says, I've been in the why me, now what now? And that's the same for us. No matter what circumstance you're in, if you're wallowing in depression, you, you know, if you're in discouragement, if you're in a season of frustration, if you're in a financial challenge, if you're in a relational situation, at some point, you've got to turn the why me into a what now. And that's what David began to do. You've got to turn your why do I keep falling into the same sin into what do I need to do to repent and move on? You've got to turn your why do these people keep doing this to me into what am I going to do in my heart to cultivate the right attitude? You see what I'm saying? You've got to turn your why me into a what now? How did David do it? Let me tell you how David did it. Here's the little secret. It's very simple. He did it by not, he didn't focus on the situation. He wasn't trying to find hope in the situation. This is what most of us end up doing. We get in a bad situation, a bad circumstance, and we keep our eye on the circumstance and we see if there's any hope in the circumstance. If your hope is in the circumstance, it's misplaced. Because David's situation, there was no hope and there was never going to be any hope in his circumstance. There was never going to be any hope there. And so the Bible says that he strengthened himself in his God because that's where his hope was at. And so I just imagined that David took out his guitar, because that's what I imagined. He had a guitar instead of a harp. I know it was a harp, but I just can't picture this warrior with a harp. It's, just, it's got a guitar. And so he takes his guitar, and he goes out by himself, and he begins to strengthen himself in God. And I wonder if he was singing some of the songs that he'd written. You know, David wrote some songs in the book of Psalms, and, and one of them was Psalm 34, verse 1 through 4. I just wonder if he... He wrote this a couple years before, but I wonder if he pulled out the old song that he wrote before and he began to worship the Lord with this. He, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I wonder if he brought this song out and he began to worship until he began to get strengthened on the inside. Where he began to say, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. I could just see him breaking out that song and beginning to encourage himself, beginning to worship in the Lord until all of a sudden he stood up on his feet and he said, you know what, there's a new day, there's another day, it doesn't end here. He begins to say, at all times, not just when the sun is shining, not just even when it's a little, but at all times, his praise will be in my mouth. You see, this example that's set before us is that even in the worst circumstances, we can still, by faith, praise our God. Not only just praise our God by our mouth, but actually be strengthened in the moment of weakness. Because the Bible says that in, when we're weak, he can become strong in us. And so we can see that in David's life. As he stepped out in faith, guess what? Faith rose up in him. Here's the problem. Most of us, we want faith to rise up in us. God says, step out, then faith will. That's how it works. And most of us are waiting again for Foresight clarity. Well, God, I'm not going to step until you tell me exactly what to do. God leads a lot more times by red lights than green lights. And many times we're waiting for God to give the green light. God says, just start moving and I will lead you and I will guide you. That's the way God does it. So step out. As he stepped out in faith, all of a sudden he, he had more faith. You can't just sit in a why me. You have to turn it into a what now. But that takes 